Build Radio, episode 11. Okay, so we know that Build is definitely in the building. Make some noise, Build! Deal solve real problems. Build future. Deal solve real problems. There's a lot of gun violence in my community. I always have to be careful when I go out to the streets because, like, I never know when they're going to start shooting. Carlos was uh, 18 years old. He was gunned down when she was only 15 years old. You're not going to do this to my city. You're not going to do this to our children. We need help. We need help now. We need to stop it now. You are listening to Bill Radio. How Bill made me feel, made me feel like I'm in a safe haven, like I'm protected, I'm guarded. How do I feel about Bill? I feel like they're going to help me make it in life. It just makes me feel at home, like I have people that care about me here. I look at Bill like family, so they mean a lot to me. It make me feel like I'm smart, like I'm a part of something good instead of being a part of some violence or something bad. I feel loved when I come to Bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Build Radio. Whether this is your first episode with us or you've been listening the whole journey, we're so happy to have you along. Build Chicago has been transforming lives for over 50 years, and we think this podcast paints an inspiring and heartwarming picture of what that sounds like. For our 11th episode, we're very excited to bring you interviews with actor and West Side native Wood Harris, who's known for his roles in The Wire, Paid in Full, Remember the Titans, and Empire. We've got a youth-led interview with Chicago Bulls rookie point guard Ryan Archidiakono, a reflection from a youth on an unforgettable day of service, some words of wisdom from guest speakers at our Black Table event, as well as some thoughts from our young people on what leadership means. So thanks so much for being with us. We've got a lot to share with you, so let's jump right in. Stay tuned. Enjoy the episode. We'll catch you in a little bit. Don't go anywhere. This is Charles Peanut Tillman. This is Commissioner Boykin. I'm Sam Macho. I'm George McCaskey. This is U.S. Senator Dick Durbin, and you're listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to... You are listening to Build Radio. Build Radio. Build Radio. Build Radio. Build Radio. What's good? What's good, everybody? You're listening to another episode of Build Radio here, the Build Radio podcast. We're so excited to bring you guys a super special guest today. we got Wood Harris in the studio. Thanks for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me. Happy all New Year. Right, all, all right, that. all right. So Wood Harris, you might know from The Wire, from Paid in Full, Remember the Titans, Empire, a lot of wonderful stuff. And we've got some youth co-hosts to join us on a little ride. JJ and Donald, say what's yo, good. Yo, 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 yo. What cool, up, what cool, up, cool. what up, what up, what up? All right, all right. So did you had a first question you said that you wanted to ask him. Um, I wanted to ask you how it was coming up in Chicago during your time. Oh, man, coming up in Chicago for me was... Um, I mean, I guess it's a lot the same because I mean, I'm from this area. Like, I grew up right like two blocks over on Jackson Boulevard, 5024, and we had we had 5100 Harrison. So you know, I'm just grew up two blocks over. And uh, I mean, where I grew up, uh, not that long ago, a young man was killed like right there on the front steps, and uh, and his dad was also shot. And then six months later, they shot his dad. And killed him up the block at the church up the street at uh, Friendship Baptist, I think it's called. Yeah. I killed know, him exactly on a Sunday, yeah. So, but that happened literally right there, like my front door where I grew up. And it's an old lady living in there now, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it hasn't changed. It's changed in, in ways, I would say, um, it might even be more difficult now. Because, you know, social media 
And that stuff didn't exist. And everybody didn't have a cell phone. It makes, you know, it wasn't no such thing as a Twitter beef. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right, cats get right. mad over virtual stuff and all that. That didn't happen, you know? So in many ways, it's, I think that being young now is like, it's a little tougher than things before because, I mean, there's nothing your parents know that you don't or can't find out in 10 seconds on your phone. And it used to be that an apparent held authority because of what they kind of knew. Your parents might not know more than you. You can look it up on the phone, just like them. So I don't know, that makes young people different than ever before. I, if I was y'all, I would strive, just start getting into um, equitable thinking, you know, like, like having things you can own one day. Even start young thinking that way so that you put it in your head. Don't think, oh, I ain't gonna never own nothing, in other words. Because when we come from these neighborhoods like that, we don't be thinking we gonna own nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But start to believe that you can own something, even if you look at the skyscraper. You know, just think, just know that. You know, because I'm from the same neighborhood and same community and mm -hmm. seen the same things, walked the same sidewalks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so you've had, I mean, you've had this amazing career and this trajectory, and you, I mean, you studied at the Tisch School of mm -hmm. the Arts, right? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your particular upbringing and how you think that led to your trajectory? I think that, uh, that's a good question, by the way. I think that um, my upbringing is different than my neighborhood, you know? So my upbringing, my mother and my father, and then my, my, I had like a pretty solid family structure for the most part, you know, my dad was in my life. My mom was dominant like everybody else, but my dad was very much in my life. But back then, I mean, everybody's dad was around. It was a little different, even if they didn't, like, everybody's dad was there. Like, you knew everybody's dad, you know what I'm saying? And I do believe that that is, um, it's a lot different when you just don't have that. Sure. You know, it's just, it's just a lot different. The community, it's not just your dad. All your friends' dads, right? They're not there either. So that means the community doesn't have dads. Yeah. So it's an unfathered community, if you think about it. So it's not a community, mm -hmm. you know? To be a community, there has to be that, and it has to have a circulation of money. That's why I say have equitable thoughts, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, uh, what's that joint right there? It's still open. It was open when I was a kid. It's right up the block. Um, where you go get um, steak burgers and it's right there. Um, toys, 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 toys. Yeah, yeah toys, toys, right, toys right there. <laughs> toys is that. That's how old yeah, toys yeah. is. Toys but think about that though. That's family owned, man. Yeah. They took care for. I was a kid. Y'all see gray on my face, right? <laughs> I was younger than y'all. Toys was there. I remember when, it, and I used to go get the, you know, burgers from there and all. But ain't nothing changed in terms of like violence, you know, because, you know. Um, that just, that exists until there's some therapy in the community, you know, and there is no therapy, all right, because we just said the dads ain't there. So all y'all can do is be um, equitable, meaning, you know, think about, everybody can have money. You watch all kinds of people young, or you don't have to be a rapper, I wouldn't even try to necessarily do that. Mm -hmm. Try to own something. Because without owning something, all you really have is a shirt on your back and even a bum not to be demeaning nobody, but even somebody that far out has usually the shirt on their back, all right? So it's also a community of non-owners. So it gets to be tough, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, young people are up against a lot because, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot. I would urge y'all to be equitable. That word just means to think about owning something 
because it doesn't require you have a lot of money. People think you need a lot of money. You don't. No, you don't. You actually need no money. You need credit. And right now, y'all in a great situation. Y'all have no credit, so you don't have bad credit. When you start getting credit, treat it like gold, because with a, with, with a good credit score, you can go buy that building next door with hardly any money. You can, you can pretty much save the money you get from a, a regular job, even at a small place like working at a McDonald's. And with, with the proper credit score at 19 and 20 and 21 years old, you can buy the properties in the neighborhood. Because where I grew up sold for $60,000. I'm talking about I grew up in a place, we, we owned it after a while because I'm me and we owned it. And we, were, <laughs> we were renting it out, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and after that happened, after that dude got killed on the front steps, you know, they wanted to buy the place. Think about that. It shows you how, you know, Instead of moving, most people are like, oh my God, I'm leaving, right? They want to buy it. And there was an older lady and her and her daughter who were both like one lady's in her 90s, one is in her 70s. And so, you know, I'm just urging y'all the most important thing is to remember that, you know, you can acquire these buildings and that's ownership of something. Because it'll never, somebody always gonna need a place to live, period. It's no risk to real estate. There is no risk in it especially when you're buying downtrodden areas. That's how come they get gentrified because you don't have to have nothing but a 600 credit score and $5,000. Think about that. So the, the, the neighborhoods get um, acquired and then they get acquired by people who just might have money in their heart and nothing else. But you're from the neighborhood, so you might have something else and make money. So that's, you know... Anyway, sure. and you're saying like kind of the collective mentorship fatherhood that was kind of there instilled a lot of that. Yeah, knowledge we had we you. had we had like an umbrella that felt like above us. You gotcha, know? gotcha. Yeah. So like bounce off that growing up, like so like, what did you want to be growing up? Like, did you know yeah. that you wanted to be an actor? Like, mm-hmm. what pushed you to that? Like, mm-hmm. I um, I just was, you know, I mean, I was um, good at like drawing early and stuff. I was one of those kids. I also like um, that the sport. I had one of the earlier rap groups in Chicago. Like mm-hmm. I opened up for these y'all might not even know who they are, like Big Daddy Kane, mm-hmm. yeah, Special Ed, NWA, um You open up for another mm-hmm. Two Live Crew. Oh yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. All of those <laughs> What was your rap group called? Tribe Called Quest, um De La Soul, Damn. Diggable Planets. I thought I was just gonna be like more I mean, I thought I was gonna have a rap, rap career. <laughs> That's but crazy. I ended up getting getting in the first movie I did. I still had my rap thing, my rap career, but I got a movie, and then I just never stopped just getting them. I never <laughs> stopped recording stuff too. I never stopped recording, but I you still, I still do. Hey. But I never I never will stop. It's just art, you know. You, you don't have to stop art, like so. But I was artistic to answer you. So when, once I got the first movie I got, and I got that movie because I I I um like I auditioned for college. You can audition for college, by the way. Mm-hmm. You can audition the same way a basketball player can get a scholarship. You can learn uh, a monologue, which is like just something you learn from uh, one piece of text, like a paragraph long. And you can act if you can act, and you can get a scholarship. So I got into NYU and NIU based on those conditions. And then I knew that that was real for me, you know, so I just st- I st- stayed with it. I mean, I got a movie when I was in my early 20s, so. Would you, you say know. that was your, your big break, that movie? 
Or would you consider what would you consider your big well, break? Well, I think my big break was really just it's just the whole totality of things for me. I mean, I think my big break was probably just Maybe it is the, the first movie because you know, I mean, right away I just like yeah, swapped it. I just yeah, it just it just I knew I just knew so much at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. I just knew what would happen with me, you know. And then I got an older brother. He also is in is in in the game too, and you know he's older than I am, but he he also is successful in his own way. You know, he's had Emmy nominations and uh, People Choice. He won a People's Choice Award, and my brother's very successful, very very successful. Do you guys have a rivalry going? Or? Nah, well, yeah, sports and everything else. It's not an acting, but it's just you know, it's just a brotherly rivalry. Sure, you know? sure. You and your brother ever played in a movie together? No. Um, no, we never did a movie together, but we did a series together called um, Justified. It used to come oh, out. Oh, okay. We did one season of a, of a TV series together. Mm-hmm. And so you performed across uh, Tupac in one of your early films, right? Yeah, Above the Rim. Man. My first film, actually. That's so is that when you, when you were 20? Yeah. The one you're saying? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. what was that like, and how do you reflect on that these, you know, now, since? Um, you know, I... Um, Man, I mean, right now, the world is so different now. Sure. You know, like, it's such a different world. And then just knowing Tupac, you know, it's odd to be one of the few people that, as time goes on, right. it's just a small group of people who and actually these men worked become, with him. And like, deified, you know? Yeah, who knew it, anything like that? Like, well, I wouldn't know what... Like, there's so many people with me as T-shirts and tattoos yeah. and they have <laughs> me on their bodies, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Just crazy, bro. Like, yeah. you never knew that. I never knew that would happen, you know? Right. You just don't know. It's like what y'all doing right now. You're doing this right now, and then next thing you know, you turn into like, you know, something they turn into, and y'all turn into like. But believe me, it happens like that, though. This one's got some amazing freestyles. Like, things happen for real, man. Things Mm -hmm. happen for real. Like, things ain't fake. I'm from this neighborhood. Like, what you think is what happens. Seriously, you can, like you said, what you want to be. Exactly this. That's just what I want to be. I want to be an actor. But when I was a kid, I used to look at the TV go in the other room and try to mimic it. I was already, like, that dude, you know what I'm saying? Mindset was tough. Yeah, I was already doing that, you know? I'd be watching TV with my with my, with my mom and my or somebody in, I mean, mad little, like, little, mm-hmm. little, you know? Then i go in the other room, get in the mirror, and, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm acting like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> how, you, how you, like, prepare for your roles? All your, you did TV mm-hmm. shows, just different, movies, you know? You just... It's different for every role. It just depends on the role, like, um... Um, when you're doing a real life person, like I did Jimi Hendrix, I don't know if oh, that right, right, right. when you be in Jimi Hendrix, it's, um, it's a lot of preparation. You have to learn how to play, play guitar, guitar left handed, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you actually and learn it backwards? I left do. Hand? I play left handed oh, anyway because I'm left handed. Oh, but, there you go. Okay. But um, but I I learned it um way more since him. But before him, even I had an interest in in like music. So like I told y'all, so um. But I didn't know I would be Jimi Hendrix. You know? But preparing so for something cool. like that is different than sure. I'm doing Empire now. It's, like, it's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a big difference. So um, how I feel like changing your whole personality just to be a character? Um, Man, it just depends. Like I said, when you're... When you really invest in it and you get something out of it, you know what I'm saying? Like, so now I can play guitar. Also, I got to meet his family, a legendary guitar player's oh, family. Wow. And I, uh, I mean, I'm in a movie forever as Jimi Hendrix, you know, somebody who will forever be, you know, 
And so it kind of says a lot about me. <clears throat> to, to me, I start being like, wow. So was Paid in Full. The movie Paid in Full is a true story. Yeah, I saw the interview. So that's another real life. So was Remember the Titans. So I knew I knew the guy who I portrayed, and he died last year in real life. So it's odd, you know. It's odd. These are real people, you know. Out of your, out of your whole career, movies, TV, what was your favorite role? Your favorite role? Man. I probably, at this point, probably have to say it is Paid in Full. Because I just had a lot of fun shooting. I'm friends with Makai. So I was working with a friend of mine. Um, I enjoy, I, I like that director a lot. Um, we got the film, we filmed in Toronto, so we, we left the country, we filmed, we also filmed in New York, and we just, you know, had a good experience. I didn't know it would become what it is, but I still had a great experience doing it. Um, that was from Jay-Z and Dame Dash were together, so it was a different era in, in everything, it was just different, yeah. So how old you was when you played in Payton 4? I guess I was 20-something. I, mean, I must have been probably 29, maybe. Mm. Like, or maybe, or no, no, later than that. I was, I think I was maybe 30-something, early 30s. Yeah. Um. So did you have, like, any obstacles that you had to overcome during these roles? Like, any personal stuff that you had to take care of or stuff that you was going through, like depression or any well, other Well, I, I did, I did, I did. Um, not particularly for any of that stuff, no obstacles that I that I couldn't use. You know, sometimes when you're doing a role, if you feel depressed, it don't hurt you in the role. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's perfect for the role. <laughs> but uh, I did Broadway also. Oh, okay. I did this famous play called Streetcar Named Desire on Broadway like a couple years ago. And um, I had a person pass away in my family. So during the process, you know, I had to leave. You know, and that was that was unusual. You know, I never left something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the funny thing is this. So we doing Broadway. That's in New York. And I want y'all to hear this. It's funny. Um, <laughs> when you do a play, you have what's called an understudy. That's somebody like me and you doing a play, everyone's doing a play. And let's say you my understudy. That means you have to know everything I know. Just in case I don't, I'm able, unable to do the show. Yeah, you the backup dude. So it turns out my backup dude was from the neighborhood, y'all, from this neighborhood. And he was like a fan, you know, not a fan, but he knew of me and he was like, man. So the first day we came to rehearse, I kind of recognized him, like from a sandbox, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking at this dude, so he's saying something, and he's like, yeah, you know who I am. And so we just started talking. And lo and behold, the only time that I ever had to leave a project, the guy who took the role was somebody I pretty much grew up with. Wow. You know, so that was unusual, but it was a stressful time because I had to just, I had to leave, I had to come and like basically bury somebody. And so it was not cool, you know. Mm -hmm. So would you say that, I'm sure people think about it in different ways, but coming from a community like Austin, do you think you have a particular responsibility now at the height that you've reached to like, you know, either give back philanthropically or socially or like, you know. I think I do just because I'm engineered that way. I, I mean, not everybody is that way, but I feel like I do, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, um, ain't nothing else to do. Sure. You know? There's nothing else to do. You know, you can go get a car and a house and then what's up? Right. Like, once you have a possession or two, well, who, are, what, what's up? You know, mm-hmm. it's like Christmas. You know how on Christmas you're like, you couldn't wait to get it, then you got it, and then a couple of days later, it don't matter no more. Don't Everything is like that. <laughs> I don't care if it's the car you always started or, it does not matter what, it's just like that. So don't, don't, 
fiend over material things. Mm. But me telling y'all to own something is different, though. All right, ownership of something is a little different because if y'all own it, then the, you know it go. You, you go from a, a, a hood, which is this is the the hood, right? <laughs> and then you can become a neighborhood because at least you know your neighbors. Because people live in neighborhoods, that's just a neighborhood. It's not necessarily a community, but a community is what this used to be, where the dollar bills circulated. This was a bank, I think. Yeah. 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 When I was a kid, this was a bank. Like so, dollars circulated. Do- dollars circulated in this community so much so that there was a bank, a black-owned bank. Come on, man. Uh, so now, how how much easier is it for you to get a loan for a sixty-thousand-dollar property from the black-owned bank? Because Chase might say no a hundred thousand times, all right. But a community bank is greater than a those big Bank of Americas and Chase, yeah. they, c- because they're communal and they serve the community. Anyway, that's what they're there for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a. Did you ever have like a quote or like some that motivated you to keep going when you wanted to give up or something? Um. Well, I don't have no no a quote or anything that I can recall. I'm, you know, I'm a really naturally driven person, though, you know, like, um, you know, I just am, you know, um, but I would say that, you know, I mean, I've had, like, experience, like, hardcore experiences, you know, lost friends and stuff, like the traditional ghetto stuff, you know, so that motivates me just to have that, like, um, charge behind what I believe in, you know, or what I'm passionate about. Losing people, my father, losing... Just going through stuff like that becomes, like, you know, stuff that makes energy behind something good if you do it that... If you, you know, if you do it that way. So, so a lot of uh, young people want to be famous mm-hmm. or want to be big in some regard mm-hmm. like that. Coming from a place of, of knowledge with that, what would you say... Was, what, what's some advice that you have for people trying to make it up certain letters like that? Whether that's in music, whether that's well, it's in different art, times in- now that you know. Now we, if we was just like going live on this, and I have, I have so many people in my thing, it's like y'all could become famous, right? Vi- viral, like yes. right away, like you know what I'm saying. It's just different than different though, you know. Like, um, I mean, how not to be famous and do some shit now? It's like <laughs> for real, like how? Well, do, why why do you have to be famous to like get it? You know, because you want to get things mm-hmm. in life, and fame is. You know, um, it's not really a real thing, you know, right. it's, unless it's predicated on, you know, something somebody did. But nowadays, you don't have to do anything. Do you feel famous? Sometimes. I do now. I, did, I never did in life so much as I do now. Because When was the first time you felt famous? Um, I probably just started feeling famous, like, uh, mm, it's been some time now, yeah. but um, it's been probably... Only probably the last maybe ten years huh, okay. feel famous, you know, because I, I shot a movie in Africa. People knew me in Africa. Oh, okay, for sure. I was in France, and people, I mean, not just know you, they like they know you even right, right. better sometimes over here. So that's when you're like, well, you're famous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, my friends are famous people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you know, it's a room full of famous he's people. Famous. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, they're famous. You and know? then it's like I'm famous, but I'm not like X Y Z. Yeah, famous. but I ain't you really know, like, I'm yeah. Tom Cruise. Oh, well, yeah, like, no, no, and I'm so glad. You know? <laughs> right, right. Man, I'm so glad. Can't go anywhere like that. No way. Not only can you not go anywhere. I mean, nowadays because of cell phone, I mean, the camera and the phone and the ears and the eyes that this is, man, I like the better. I like, I've been famous enough or at least in the limelight long enough that I've seen this thing grow so much. Mm -hmm. So you can't walk through an airport. You can't, like, 
you can't do anything. Yeah. Man. You can't do nothing. Like you can't can't do anything. You can't you know? have a mistake that just disappears. Like, no mistake's gonna anything disappear. In public was if you tell forever. somebody on a on a bad day, yeah, some girl say some crazy, you don't even know her, and you say the b word. Like, Shut up. Like somebody <laughs> filming, put it on yeah. TM. Now I'm on Premier. TMZ, yeah. <laughs> and now you just go down the toilet. It's so yeah. easy, you know. Ugh. Um, but you know, so it makes people. I think there's less privacy. Sure. So since people don't have privacy in a way. I mean, you all feel a little bit what it's like to be a celebrity in a sense you will because yeah. you just have no... Somebody knows you that you don't know. You just got 7,000 views your, on that um, video. That's a little bit of yeah, that, just, right? Yeah, just via, your, just via your content or your uh, your social media, somebody on there recognizes you and knows you who you don't know. For sure. So, I mean... Um, do you see yourself um, moving back to Chicago? I do actually. It's funny you ask that. I just started seeing that, you know, but I do. Um, some of the cats I'm working with, we have so much going on that it's just better for me to be home. And um, I've been working here since August, and I won't complete it until I'll have a year here anyway of working. So it really reminded me like all the stuff I can get done at the crib, including stuff like this, just being a part of um, building some different things. Yeah. You know, I joined a different group of um, city board that has to do with media actually in schools um, so different programs and I'll be able to do more stuff that I'm interested in doing like that because we're putting together like a little TED talk but it's for mm -hmm. young people they're the TED talkers and it's, it's dope that's so cool because I mean it's, it's one thing and it's an amazing thing if you're able to give resources when you have the means to you know community organizations mm -hmm. and nonprofits and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's another thing to actually get your hands into it and yeah. actually be involved in the programming. And I think yeah, that's like you know it really helps like they get to see and meet mm -hmm. and you know engage with these folks. And I think mm -hmm. that has a very powerful effect. Yeah, that's super. Because this is gonna grow. This facility is gonna grow. Yeah. The financing on it's gonna grow and yeah. it's gonna become more of a nucleus yeah. in this yeah. area. Did they tell you about the, kids, the plans? You know? Y'all gonna be older, but it's gonna be. They huh? tell you about it, the future, the plans? just a little bit. Oh, but yeah. Bro. Oh my God. It's gonna do. It's gonna do some yeah. wonders. Y'all are in the beginning of something that's actually gonna be like. Yeah. The sky's the limit. Totally, totally, totally. You know. Um, you guys got any more questions? Any more questions from the other gentlemen in the room? Uh, what you got? What's your name? What's your question, sir? Uh, it's Cortez. Cortez again. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> since you said you grew up over here, mm -hmm. um, which part, like, which part are you from? Which street you from? Which I'm from Jackson Boulevard, like in between Cicero and Laramie. Yeah, right there, fifty twenty four. Yeah, I went to Resurrection, which y'all probably don't remember. It was used to be a grade school on the block. Now it's a Jesuit school, but it wasn't when I was little. Was you was around when Michelle Clark was back then? Was a grammar school? Yeah, it was a grammar school. What is it now? It's a, a regular high school. Now. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yo, Michelle Clark used to be so bad that when I was in grade school, I went to Resurrection. Okay, so that was different because it was on my block. I, I went to that school, but it, Michelle Clark was so bad and the kids were so dangerous that they we permanently got out at one thirty. Kindergarten through eighth grade got out at 1.30, because at 2.30, Michelle Clark got out. And we didn't want to be, like, getting stomped out. <laughs> you know, because the kids over the kids who went to Resurrection came from all different areas and whatnot. I lived on the block and I had friends at Michelle Clark. But I'm shocked this is a high school, though. Yeah. Get out of here. Yep. He got the shirt on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, like with y'all got a basketball team over there? Yeah, we got a basketball, football, and they Chance the Rapper came through, right? Yeah, Chance the Rapper came through. Stop it. He donated a big check for us, but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the show park now. I just can't believe that, man. I, man, I'm going to have to come over there and mm-hmm. see that, man. For sure, bro. I'm shocked. I did not. How long has it been in high school? Probably a long time now. Yeah, since I was little. Yeah, I didn't know that. Since you was little. You little <laughs> now, bro. <laughs> Here, do, you, do you just fit bars with you on a podcast? Oh, uh, sure, sure, and Damo, sure, sure. do you want to go first? No, you can go first. All right. <laughs> me, you want me to go first? Yeah. Oh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Slim Noble. Uh, yeah, I call myself Slim Noble. Slim hey. Noble, that's me. Oh, this got lyrics on it? Nah. Oh, okay. Y'all remember um, Slim Noble breaking atoms like the main source? Tell a troll to eat it uh, like it's the main course. Oh, ain't that what you came for? Came for? Came, oh, ain't you just a fame whore? Fame whore? Uh, I use my fame to change a gang war. Huh? I did it swift like in a brainstorm. Uh, it's Slim Noble. CTC me, cut the check. Oh, you say Jesus in your heart. I just see Jesus on your neck. Uh. Hey. Yeah, I gotta go and get it. I'm a vet. Remember days I was flat, now I'm next. They say, yeah, you biggie, yeah, you fat. I'm trying to get it off, take it off like a rocket. I just messed up, don't move me, yeah, I probably pop it. If he wanted them, my shooters, yeah, they might drop it. Hey. <laughs> yeah, the mic dropping. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Dope, 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 dope. Uh, that's dope, though. Uh-huh. The kick is dope. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hope <it> <laughs> <laughs> I can't overkill it. All right, well, solid, solid. Mr. Wood Harris, thank you so much sir, for dropping by. Nah, no problem. I'll be back. Good, good, good. We hope to see you around. Check y'all on y'all birthdays. You know what I'm saying? Good, good, good. good. All right, right, thanks for listening. Bars, boy. I love your voice. It's dope. You sound good on the mic. All right, all right. We are back on Build Radio, and we just wanted to thank Mr. Wood Harris so much for coming through and um, inspiring the young people, and also coming to our Black Table event that happened um, this week as well. We're going to have some content from that later on in the episode. But without any further ado, we want to shed a little bit of light on something that was uh, mentioned briefly discussed about in this past segment. So we brought in a student and a principal, of course, from across the street, Michelle Clark. Principal Anderson, thanks so much for being here. And Yafa Khan, thanks so much for being here as well. You're a sophomore and involved in their podcast programs. We thought we would uh, have you guys come through and tell us a little bit about the, the current story of Michelle Clark, what's going on these days. So, wow. Thanks for having us. Of course. Um, of that course. was so interesting to hear what was going on back in his day. Um, it was interesting because of the great things that are happening now at Michelle Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, as the principal, Principal Anderson, I'm so excited about where we are with IB now. We're in, in the IB phase. We're STEM school. For those that um, don't know, what is what is IB? So IB is International Baccalaureate, where students are now getting able to, being able to go into their NYP, which is the middle school years. Uh, we've done a great partnership with quite a few of the elementary schools and partnerships with schools around here and, and businesses. I think the other great thing is is that um, our track team is ranked fourth in the state. Mm. Um, our basketball team is ranked, uh, they're ranked seventh. Um, so we're really doing some great things. And academically, we have uh, 95%, 93% attendance for students. Um, 
things are going going. We we do a lot of restorative practice, but I want to let Yafe talk a little bit more, maybe from a student's point of view, because when I heard that from Mr. Woods, number one, I want to invite you to come so you can see the change, <laughs> not only in the community, but also in the school. But mm-hmm. number two, um, I want you to know that we've grown up. We're not doing all those things that used to, that had the reputation that Michelle Clark used to have. Yeah, Michelle Clark, like, Michelle Clark, we're doing big things. Um, like, all the students and staff, like, the, like the students really are focused because the staff really care about them, and it makes them do the work more, and we got stuff like Fizzle. Fizzle, we just had, like, a big little thing, and then Allen Houston came, entire NBA player and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just, I'm a show clock, you, you never know what's going to happen. Like, okay. one day you might be chilling in class, and then, oh, we're going to have an assembly, then uh-huh. a guest come, and then we have a special guest speaker or something. Just everything's different in Michelle Clark. Cool. And I think what's what's interesting when we talk about the Fizzle program that we've kind of instituted, Fizzle standing for faith, integrity, sacrifice, leadership, and legacy. Yeah. So we're always talking to students about what is your legacy, what what are you bringing back and leaving when you what will you be remembered as, but what is the leadership that you bring and how do you sacrifice for that leadership? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a lot of students that are now pushing in that thought of how do I change my community. So we're not just a school that is just in the community. We are a community that's to school. Um, so we really push hard to make sure everything that's going on is a part of our community mm-hmm. um, in order to make those changes. It's wonderful you bring that up, actually, because uh, leadership and legacy are two of the main themes of this month's episode. Um, so let me ask you guys, actually, while we're on the topic, what is something that you think um, all great leaders share? Wow, I'll let you go first, Jacques. <laughs> oh, oh. Or perhaps hallmarks of a great leader. What makes such a great someone a great leader? Integrity, someone who shows a lot of integrity, mm-hmm. someone who's like disciplined, and somebody, somebody's a great leader. Like they just know how to control, like they know how to take control of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would add into that. Um, a great leader also understands that they don't do it all by themselves, sure. and that there are constituents, there's people, there's someone involved that help make the train move. Mm-hmm. So a great leader is one of those that don't mind being in the back to put the coal in the train to make it roll um, or being in the front to help it give direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and another question that they were asking at the Black Table is, what is the importance of youth keeping in mind what their legacy is as they're building it or what their legacy might be? So I think it's important for students to remember their legacy uh, or think about what their legacy will be because as they continue to grow, they have to leave something and they'll be remembered for something. Mm-hmm. And we want them to be remembered for something great. But they have to also understand the shoulders that they stand on. Um, we, we can't ever take away the reason that we've gotten to this point. So even going back to Mr. Woods' comment about uh, when he was in Chicago and he growing up, Michelle Clark was bad. Well, we're now standing on the shoulders of those people who decided to stand and make a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, we are now on their legacy. So as we do that, we continue to bring a new legacy of that's not how we are now. Um, so I, it's important that students always remember where they've come from, the shoulders they stand on, and then the next steps that they're taking to make continue to change. Sure. Anything you want to add? Um, when I think about legacy, is like, what do you what do you want to be remembered as? How do you want people or how do you want people to remember you? Or what are you gonna leave back that's like positive or whatever? Like mm-hmm. you, and also when I think about legacy, like when you think back on your like when you're older or whatever, and you like, oh, I wish I could have did this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I could have did that. 
But like when you think about legacy, you think about oh, I want to do this, so I'm gonna like I'm gonna do everything I need to do to get to this. So, what do you think are some of the things you're you're doing personally to to build your own legacy? Um, I just I just don't take things for granted. I, I really put in effort. That's so powerful. <laughs> That's one of like the most you know important things I think you can learn is is just yeah, don't take things for granted. Being grateful for what you have. Yeah. Everyone's searching for happiness, like it's some, you know, thing that's just I don't know. I think the pathway to that is just being grateful for for what you have. Um, very mature words. There. <laughs> um, so, is there anything else you guys would like to uh, to add before we uh, sign off here? I guess the last thing I would say is we still got the invitation open for Mr. Wood. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think he said he wanted to come by, so we'll, we'll make sure he gets that. Yeah, it's a great day to be an eagle. Wonderful. Well, Principal Anderson, Yafa Khan, thank you guys so much for stopping by our studio today, shedding a little light on the wonderful things going on at Michelle Clark today. Next up, we're going to dive into some of our content from our, our annual Black Table event, and we'll all be back right after that. Thanks so much. And you're listening to Build Radio. Hi, this is Shaveris, and we are live with Bill Radio here at Bill's annual Black Table event, and we are here with... Charles Smith, CEO of CS Insurance Strategies. And we have one question for you tonight. We would like to know what is the importance of youth in them building their legacy? Uh, well, first of all, the youth is the future. Um, so without empowering the youth to be independent, have autonomy, then the older generation can't get anywhere. I think it's up to the older generation to lay a foundation for the youth and to have to help the youth set goals and escalate their goals faster than it took the older folks to get to those goals. So without the, t the youth, there's no future. Thank you. Hey, this is Chase, and we are live with Bill Radio at the Bill's annual Black Table event. Can I please have your name and profession? Absolutely. My name is Deanna Palomar, and I'm the a um, ABC7's Vice President of Community Engagement. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I have one question for you. Yes. Why is it important for youth to build up their legacy? Oh my goodness. I think it's important for our youth to build legacy because the lessons that you learn as a youth really create who you are as an adult. And I think the more positive impact you can have, the more positive influences you can have, can just build for that. Um, and we all want to leave something good, don't we, behind, no matter what age you are? I mean, don't we want to think that we made a difference to somebody, to someone, at some point in our lives? Thank you, great answer. We look forward to hearing from you more. Hi, this is Shaveris, and we are here with... I'm Leslie Honore, and I'm a poet, an author, and an activist. Terrific, terrific. And we have one question for you. We would like to know what is the importance of youth in them building their legacy? Um, I think the importance of youth building their legacy is to understand that everything is not just for what's happening right now. It's to be forward-thinking and think about how you want to plan, how you want to grow, and how we want to do it together, um, and that we realize that trials and tribulations may happen right now but it's really about what's going to happen in the future that's important thank you we appreciate you and we look forward to hearing more from you tonight hello this is chase and we are here with earth st james single songwriter nice <laughs> that was just unexpected uh and we have one question for you why is it important for you to build up their legacy man it's, it's especially black youth like we have to um with our legacy because that's where we come from. We come from a strong and a rich legacy, you know, and we gotta continue that as, as we progress, you know, our ancestors fall hard for us to be in a position that we're in right now, you know, so we have to just continue to build our legacy for the next generation so they can build it for the next generation, you know, so it, it's very important. Thank you, we look forward to hearing from you more. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.
Hi, this is Shaveris, and we are here with... Alexis J. Rostin, actor, director. And we would like to know, what do you think is the importance of youth in them building their legacy? Oh, the importance of youth and them building their legacy. Um, they're world changers. They're game changers. And as long as youth understand clearly that they have so many options at their fingertips, they have a way to change the world just based on being individual and being their true selves. I think that youth are very important. I think that um, we are all gathered here today, one, to communicate how we have failed, how we have succeeded, and hopefully impart some kind of wisdom so that everybody knows that, hey, I may fall, but I can make it. I just have to keep getting up and doing it over and over again until I get to the place that I need to be in, which will actually, as if you keep trying, that's what makes it a success. If you keep getting up, that's success. If you keep saying, you know what, I got a goal, I got a dream, I got something to accomplish, I got something to say, and you keep at it, that's what success really is. So hopefully um, the youth will hear what we have to say today as the so-called leaders at the table. And um, it will impart nothing but love, wisdom, and uh, uh, means to getting toward that goal that they have in their hearts. Terrific answer. Thank you. And we look forward to hearing more from you tonight. A wonderful event. And a big thank you to all the community leaders who came out and shared their wisdom with our young people. Now, next up, we're going to hear from one of our participants who attended the NBA Cares Day of Service that kicked off All-Star Weekend in Chicago. The service event was Friday and brought youth and organizations from around Chicago together to serve their community alongside NBA players. Youth from Build's My Brother's Keeper program were invited through our partnership with the Obama Foundation. The next day, Saturday, included more programming and included players like Giannis, Chris Paul, and Kevin Love talking about their foundations and the work that they're doing to benefit communities and mental health. Of all the kids in the city and the state that could have been there, it was Build Youth that were a part of the select group invited to rub shoulders with NBA All-Stars, billionaires like Mark Cuban, and another very special individual we'll let our guest Chase tell you about. But first, you'll hear a youth-led interview with Bulls rookie point guard Ryan Archidiakno, who visited our headquarters alongside his agent Joel Bell to talk to youth about different types of careers in sports. So what's up, everybody, and welcome to Bill Radio. My name is Calvin Washerman, and today I'm joined by my co-host. Franklin. And a very special guest. Ryan Archidiakono here. All right. So, Ryan, thanks so much for being on our podcast. I first want to ask you, what was it like playing in front of an NBA arena crowd for the first time? It was crazy. It was opening night in uh, Toronto a couple years ago, uh, playing against Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Um, it was just an absolutely wild environment. My uh, my nerves were all the way up there. Played only five minutes, but it was still a surreal experience playing uh, in my first NBA game. What are some other things you are interested in other than basketball? Uh, so being here in Chicago, I love all the food. Um, being out here in the summertime is great. Uh, wintertime, like I said, get uh, going out to eat. Uh, I have a dog uh, back in my apartment, so I chill with chill with my dog, chill with my girlfriend, and uh, we'll just kind of kick it, watch some sports, watch some movies, and hang. All right, so what what responsibility do you think a professional basketball player has off the court? Off the court, I think you have to be a, a great person, uh, 
both on and off the court. And I think you have to uh, represent the community, represent your organization as best you can. And I think that um, if you can do that, you can make your way uh, to being a very successful basketball player uh, within the NBA or uh, professional overseas. Uh, but every, you have everyone looking up to you, not just in uh, the community, uh, the city, uh, but everyone in the United States and throughout the world. Uh, watching every single move you do. Uh, so you make sure you have to be uh, smart and uh, be very uh, vigilant of who's watching and uh, what the message you're trying to portray is. So what was your path like to make to the NBA? My path was a little bit different than uh, the normal people who were drafted in the first and second round. I went undrafted, uh, like I told you guys before, and I uh, went to the NBA G League. Or First I went to the Spurs, I got cut, then went to the NBA G League. Signed on uh, with a, as a two-way player uh, for the Chicago Bulls and then signed a non-guaranteed contract and then signed my first official NBA contract last year for uh, two years. Who's the most fun on the team? Who's the most fun? Like, are we talking funny? Or are we talking, like, who's, who's a good time or what? Who's a good time? Who's a good time? Um, well, like, all-around all person. Yeah, Chris, Chris Dunn's <laughs> hilarious. Um, he's, he's always joking around. Uh, but once we're playing, he, he's serious and likes to talk his smack. But off the court, he probably makes everyone laugh the most. What is some advice you have for young athletes who have dreams of going pro? Uh, just keep um, working hard every single day. I think if you have a positive attitude and you're a great teammate um, and people want to play uh, on the court with you, whether it's um, basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, if you're a good teammate, good person, good things will happen. And you have to uh, work hard every single day, take care of your school so you can kind of uh, focus on sp um, whatever sport you're uh, trying to play as well. So what are some life lessons or mantras you live in your life day to day? Um, I think I just hit on one. It's uh, attitude. I have an attitude bracelet uh, on that I wear every single day that you can't control what happens to you in the past, but you can control how you respond in the future. And I think that if you have a positive attitude and a positive outlook on life, uh, then you're going to hit it head on and you're going to uh, do well in life. And what words of encouragement do you have for young people coming up in Chicago? I think that you guys um, hit the school books, um, keep uh, making friends, um, staying on the right path, uh, keep coming to build. Um, seems like you guys have a great environment here, uh, a lot of different things that um, have great uh, different interests that might uh, you guys might want to get into, whether it's a podcast, there's uh, all your guitar stuff, all the artwork. I think it's a great thing that if you get involved in build, uh, develop some good friendships, uh, stay out of trouble, and uh, take care of your sports and have fun, you can uh, be very successful. Well, Ryan Archie Diacono, thanks so much for taking some time for us on Bill Radio. We really appreciate you. This has been Calvin Washington. And Franklin. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. All right, all right. And here, reporting back from an amazing weekend, apparently, we have Chase Irvin in the studio. Welcome, sir. Uh, it's nice to be here. All right, all right. You got a little bit of a cold, don't you? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just got a stopped up nose, no allergies. Gotcha, gotcha. So you were at the NBA Cares Day of Service as a part of the All-Star Weekend Correct. on this past weekend. It looked amazing from all the pictures that we saw. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys did there? Uh, when we first got there, they had, uh, of course, gave us T-shirts. But then they had told us what the main purpose was. Our goal was to pack up 500 book bags filled with school supplies and any other essentials they need. And we're going to give them back to kids who actually need book bags and need the, uh, supplies. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they had bought in some of the rising stars that were supposed to be practicing because that day was also media day, mm -hmm. which is a day they got a lot of their interviews done back and forth. 
But uh, yeah, so they brought in some of the rising stars or rookies, mm-hmm. and they had helped us along. We did like an assembly line on two sides. It was one side then the other, really? and we just like one person opened up book bags, which I was responsible for, and then the next person will uh put two notebooks in, hand it off to the next person. They put that in, and so on. And you were doing that alongside the NBA rookies? Yes, I was doing it alongside. <laughs> so uh, who did you meet as far as players go? Like uh. I was just sitting at the table. I was just sitting there by myself, and then as I saw them walk in, I ended up seeing people like R.J. Barrett, uh, John Morant. I saw Luka Doncic. I was, uh, I saw Zion. I saw Trey Young. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow! Like all these people really just came here. And then there was legends too. That like the legends of the. Uh, it was the head coach of the Pacers when Paul George was there, and they mm-hmm. almost made it to the finals. It was him. It was that legendary coaches there. It was Jason Kidd. It was like a whole lot of uh, veterans there, too. Huh. Did you get a chance to to talk with any of them, or was it more so just... No, they had the veterans set up at small tables, signing, I mean, autographing basketballs and coloring books and just talking one-on-one with uh, you. Oh, really? Yeah. So did you talk to some of them? No, they didn't send me at the table. They just kept me at the assembly line. What were any of the rookies? Yep. Uh, it was a lot of rookies. I met a rookie that uh, played alongside Zion. He played for New Orleans, too. Uh-huh. I forgot his name, but I know he got a torch with the three. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Um, so that was you and a couple other youth from Build went. This was part of our uh, MBK program, I guess, is like the, the, the sponsorship or what have you um, yeah. that led to this. And so in addition to that, due, I guess, to that partnership, there was another very, very important person that you met there that day. Who was yeah. that? It was uh Barack Obama. <laughs> like I was just sitting there and I'm packing up bags and before that Zion walked past me and I said, What's up, Zion? And he didn't hear me, so I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not loud enough because that same day I was losing my voice. Yeah. But then I saw Barack and I'm like, I'm like, What's up, Barack? And I ain't know you heard me. And he just walked over there and all I heard was, Hello. And then he walked up to me and shook my hand. And I was like, Wow, like I'm really shaking hands with Barack Obama, like the four, the forty fourth president, like it took everything and gave me the whole damn my excitement. I'm like, I'm this sure. really Barack Obama? Like I seen him on TV, but never yeah. thought he'd be shaking my hand. I mean, yeah, that dude is iconic, like a yeah, legend, like you a know? legend like, in the making, yeah, like, like right oh, in man. front of me. And the first African American president, like transformed the, what we think about that in that sense. Um, wow. So I mean, what like what like what was your? Did you feel like you were just about to turn into jelly? And like, yeah, but. <laughs> The thing that stood out to me the most is, you know how usually celebrities, like, they feel a little uptight when it comes to them being around crowds. Yeah. Like, he didn't come in with no security. Like, it was people with him, but they wasn't security type. Yeah. They were just laid back in. He just walked in as if he's a normal person like us. Like, he didn't really take popularity to the head because he knew where he came from. Gosh. And he know that, oh, I'm not finna let money or popularity change me. He's still just Barack Obama, so... He just came in, he said hello, kept a smile on his face. He was just cool and collective. He act like a normal person. That is wild. <laughs> that is something else. Yeah, well, so you, you heard it here, you know, build youth just, you know, hanging out with Barack Obama, right? <laughs> Support us. <laughs> That's super cool to hear. And then, I don't know how, I mean, you can't really top that, but you guys went to the game too, or there's the... Uh, no, they... Uh, Invited us to watch them practice, like cool. the practice for the game. The game was late on at six o'clock, and we was there around like twelve and one and two. So we just got a chance to watch them practice, see what drills they go through, how they warm up, 
how every player, uh, how they look out to every player and see what skill sets they're going to use for the game. Gotcha. So is this going to be like, I, I mean, I assume it would be like a, a party story for you. Like, oh, and you know, and then that one time I met Obama, like whatever. I, I really couldn't <laughs> even get a chance to like boast about it. Like I had to be mostly humble because yeah. I didn't know it was cameras recording when I shook his hand. So mm-hmm. now it's like I'm going viral. Like I'm all over Facebook, oh, Instagram, and Twitter. It's people sharing it, tagging me in it. Oh, like they walking up to me at school, like my counselors and principals, they... Yeah, we saw you shake Barack Obama hand while you ain't tell us. <laughs> so now it's just like at a point where I got to be humble. I can't really try yeah. to brag about it because they know it before I knew it. Right, right. Yeah, no, because I mean, when we had our open mic last Friday, you came through. And yeah. then was before that. And I was like, I didn't even, like, Rick was like, oh, they, they, they mentioned something. I was like, I didn't hear anything. I was like, you told me that shook Obama's hand and I didn't hear. Yeah. But I get you. I mean, that's I'm sure that's definitely a, a part of it. Um, well, that's that's so that's wonderful, man, and we're we're stoked to hear that, and we're happy to be able to you know help with that you know experience and opportunity of getting you guys all um, to that event. Um, My Brother's Keeper is an amazing program, and we are going to hear more about it on next month's episode as well as we uh, dive into some spotlights of the individual young people involved with that. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening, Chase. Thanks for being here, man. <laughs> Pleasure's all mine. Martin, I am 16, and I am a leader because I take my core values very seriously. My name is Phil Lewis, I'm 15 years old, and a leader to me is a responsible person who helps people who are in need. My name is Marion, I'm 15, and the reason why I'm a leader is because that I motivate people to do better. And the reason why I'm the leader is because I try hard to motivate myself around me and everybody else. Then what it takes to be a leader is hard work, perseverance, and determination. I'm Destiny Freeman, and I'm 13 years old. Um, to be a good leader is to learn from your actions, become more wiser, and help others not make the same mistake. My name is Jeffrey Hall. I'm 14 years old, and I'm a leader because I take my responsibility seriously. I'm Nakia. I'm 10 years old, and what it takes to be a leader, not a follower, is to go by your ways. Don't ever follow anybody. Have a good career and just be a role model. And why I am a leader is because um, I do my work. People sometimes follow me because I do my work. I help them out, and that's what it takes to be a leader. And that is our show this month. Thanks so much to Wood Harris, Ryan Archidiacono, Principal Charles Anderson, our Black Table attendees, and all the young people involved in this edition. We are inspired by the young leaders that we see, grateful to be able to help build them, and so excited to witness what legacies that they're going to leave behind as they continue to climb on their journeys. And you can help us give more opportunities like this. Join Build on our mission to save Chicago's young people from the streets, from from apathy and despondency by empowering them with an immense platform of resources, programs, and opportunities. And your support can take so many forms. If you like what you hear, show us some love on social media at Build Chicago, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. And of course, we say it every time, a review or rating of this podcast would mean so much. If you want to take your support to the next level, make a donation. You can do so on our website. One time, monthly, or annually, any amount will help us make change. 
Perhaps you have some spare time to donate. There are so many ways to get involved. Email volunteer at buildchicago.org to find out more. Looking for a great event that supports your city? Join us Saturday, February 29th at Epiphany Center for the Arts for Build's dazzling annual art show. This year, it's entitled 365 Plus One, Stories Around the Sun. This moving evening will feature beautiful works from both youth and community artists, and all proceeds support Build's art, music, and media programs. Your ticket purchase includes appetizers, wine, and refreshments, and special VIP packages and sponsorships are available. It's going to be an amazing night. So leap on over to buildchicago.org and get your tickets today. As always, make sure you subscribe to our email list to receive our newsletter, The Builder, full of inspiring agency updates straight to your inbox. You can do so from the homepage of our website. This year is gearing up to be an amazing one. Build is growing very fast, and the possibilities for the future look brighter and brighter each and every day. So join us on our mission to bring hope back to the young people of Chicago who deserve it. In increasingly divided and turbulent times, Build has been connecting and inspiring for 50 years, breathing joy and life and ambition into the communities and the minds that we serve. With tens and tens of thousands of alumni, with families of their own, outshaping the youth and futures of their own communities, I think our legacy speaks for itself. For Build Radio, I've been Benji Wax, and I thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode, and do some good out there. If we really want to end the violence in Chicago, we need to go beyond put the guns down. We need to change the story about what it means to grow up black or brown in Chicago. We need to make the potential of the young people the focus, not just our problems. We need to transform lives to create hope and build futures. We can't do it alone. Invest in our potential. Chicago young people are worth it. Build hope, build lives, and build futures.